0: Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Hello Down There! It's your friend, History. The goal of this podcast is to teach you just enough to make you a hit at parties, assuming you attend parties where people like to hear about Lyndon Johnson's spring-loaded cigarette holder and or presidential enemas. Today I'm going to be talking about James Garfield. Garfield ran for president in 1880, winning narrowly after a hard-fought campaign. His reputation had been tainted by a major scandal while serving in the House of Representatives. He received $329 in stock from a corrupt company, which Democrats made a huge issue in the campaign, plastering the numbers 329 everywhere they could, ranging from sidewalks to a beat that the Secretary of Agriculture found on his desk. Garfield served as president for only a few months before being shot in July of 1881 by Charles Guiteau, a man who was angry about not being given a job in Garfield's administration. This was after germs had been discovered, but before American doctors had fully come around to believing in them. So, after being shot, Garfield spent two and a half months being subjected to gruesome medical procedures before ultimately dying. Garfield was shot in a train station. Incidentally, he hated this train station specifically, so it was a sort of insult to injury situation. The wound likely wouldn't have been fatal on its own, but the responding doctor shoved at least two different probes and a finger inside of him, opening up a cavity that would later become filled with pus. After a good deal of this, someone finally said, Hey, doctor. By the way, this guy's given name was doctor, so. Hey, doctor, doctor, maybe a train station floor is a bad place to be fingering the presidential wound. And so they took Garfield back to the White House, which was also decidedly less than ideal, since the White House was falling down, as it apparently was for a good chunk of U.S. history. It seems sort of weird that for multiple decades, winning the presidency meant you were forced to live in a vermin-filled dump, but whatever. Dr. Doctor then embarked on a barbaric plan of care that even plenty of American doctors, germ deniers though they were, likely would have objected to. Unfortunately, they didn't have the chance, because he rigidly controlled access to Garfield on the basis of having called dibs. He had been summoned to the scene of the crime by Robert Todd Lincoln, because he had cared for Abraham Lincoln after he was shot, and he made a strong impression. Robert Todd Lincoln was actually at three of this nation's four presidential assassinations, rounding out his trio with McKinley a couple decades later. The other doctors who did have access were only allowed to remain after ceding all medical authority to doctor-doctor and agreeing to serve as nurses. As this was happening, infections introduced by what we're calling medical treatment ravaged Garfield's body. At one point, he almost drowned in blood and pus after an abscess popped. He was so infection-riddled that he actually got his doctor, doctor, doctor-doctor, sick with pus fever. Tragically, being totally full of pus was not Garfield's only problem. Difficulty keeping food down meant he was also slowly starving to death. Even before being shot, Garfield had had digestive issues so severe that a doctor had told him he would need to have part of his intestine removed. He'd avoided this fate by following a prescribed diet of raw beef sandwiches on stale bread. To prevent starvation, Dr. Doctor began to feed him rectally using a combination of beef bouillon predigested with hydrochloric acid, warmed milk, an egg yolk, and opium for retention. He was subjected to this every four hours for eight days. The American public came together in the wake of the shooting, avidly following what news there was of Garfield's supposed recovery. Upon reading that Garfield liked milk, someone actually sent a cow to the White House, and a servant would bring him a fresh glass of milk sprinkled with holy water every day. The less charming side of this passion was that a number of people called publicly for the assassin to be lynched, with one person writing into a newspaper to suggest that he be kept alive, but forced to eat two ounces of his own flesh every day. Now, if I were telling you this in person, I would drop that detail on you and I would walk away, so that's exactly what I'm going to do.